Hey, hey, friend. I have a special guest here on the podcast for you today. I was able to sit down, have a conversation with Lindsay Mimga from Treehouse Schoolhouse. And I know that you are going to be blessed by this. She is a mama just like you who is in the trenches of homeschooling young children and navigating all of the things, including a business that she runs from home. So not only is she a homeschool mom, but she's also creating resources for you. And we're going to talk about some of those resources today and what her, what Treehouse Schoolhouse offers for you for a homeschool moms. And I know that you would bless by that, but even more so, I know that you're going to enjoy listening to her. She is going to give you just some straight information on how to walk through the days, how to order the days, how to have a rhythm, a routine to your days. And I know you're going to be inspired by the way that she conducts herself and the way that she pours herself into homeschooling her children, but also providing resources and information for you homeschool moms. And I'm excited for you to hear from her today. So let's dive into this conversation right now. Welcome to the Little by Little Homeschool Podcast, where you can get out of survival mode, feel confident in your homeschool decisions, and gain peace in your heart and home. I know that when we plant our feet firmly in this season of life and embrace our homeschooling, motherhood, and homemaking, we will thrive. I truly believe that we can do this from a place of peace and joy, all while growing a ton of contentment. And while we're at it, Mama, let's deepen those relationships with our children and love these years we get to pour into them. If you're ready to create beauty, seek simplicity, and live intentionally, homeschool Mama, then close out that lesson book, let the kids go play, and let's have an authentic conversation. Welcome to Little by Little Homeschool Podcast, and today I've got Lindsay from Treehouse Schoolhouse, and Hi. I'm really excited to have this <laughs> conversation today and how you're going to encourage the moms, and we were just talking a little bit, and I just um, so appreciate all that you put out and the thought behind it and the encouragement and just how God is leading you in your business and in your homeschool and how you are encouraging all these moms. So I would love Thank it if you. you could just kind of share a little bit about you, yourself, and whatever it is you want to let uh, the listener know about you. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Lindsay. I am a mama of four. Um, my oldest is 10. My youngest is three. And um, we've been homeschooling since the beginning. I actually have a pretty unique story. We, I was homeschooling before I was a parent. So I was hired as a nanny and I ended up homeschooling and falling in love with homeschooling. So when I met my husband, I said, this is a non-negotiable. I have to homeschool when we have babies. So we live in North Carolina. We are an outdoors family. We are entrepreneurs. My husband and I both have businesses and we are currently living in a very small old rental house. And my husband is building our house from the ground up. So it should be done in the next few months. So our life is very busy. I own a curriculum development company, um, have been blogging since 2017. We have a blog, a YouTube channel, very active on Instagram, on Pinterest. The heartbeat of our homeschool is gospel centered. It is um, nature, living books and hands-on learning just really inspiring our children to be lifelong learners. So that's a little about me. 
Well, that's a lot about you. I'm I sorry. love that. <laughs> no, no, in a really good way. Like we could just dive into all of that and just talk about your whole story and stuff. And I, I love that. It's just, yes. And I think I remember seeing that on Instagram, you talking about being a homeschool, you know, homeschooling before you were even, mm-hmm. and that you told your husband is a non-negotiable and right? yay. I'm excited about that with my kids. I'm like, okay, make sure that's a non-negotiable. They all <laughs> loved homeschooling and all want to continue it. So I love that you guys are building your own house and just, you know, everything behind. So let me ask you this question though. What age do you start formal lessons? Cause you have four kids. You're kind of mm-hmm. running the gamut here of, we would say quote unquote, elementary age children. What age do you start some formal lessons and you know, why did you choose that age? So when I first started homeschooling, I kind of got really, really excited. And because I had come from homeschooling my nanny students in a more traditional way, because that's just what the parent had asked me to do. I kind of thought, you know, and I also was raised in the public school. So I thought, okay, around age four, you start teaching them to read. You have a classroom environment. You have a structure like this and this. And so I started to try to do that with my older children. And I just felt like the life of our days kind of was getting zapped because they wanted to play. They wanted to move. They didn't understand why all of a sudden we were doing these things. And I was so excited that they were not excited. And so I came across some books and some blogs and I kind of like de-schooled. You've, you know, you know, that term of just kind of going back to the basics about what school is, what the philosophy of education, I believed I dove deep into the world of Charlotte Mason and classical education and Montessori. And I just sort of started from researching everything for myself and decided to put education on pause until around age six, based on a lot of the the research that I had read. And so we kind of started over and it looked very, very different um, than we, when I first had this big attempt. And so since then, we've really started formal lessons around age six. It's not a cut and dry thing though. Like, oh, you turned six. Now we do formal lessons. It's very much a, a transition around at, from the time that they're, you know, born. Basically, I feel like our home is education. And I feel like it's a really important message to get out there because even until those formal lessons, we are doing things that are very intentional in our home that will set our child and our environment up for success in the formal schooling years. And you could call it their education if you would like, but, or you could just call it life, um, (laughs) intentional life with mom at home. And so one of the reasons that we've chosen to wait is just all the research that's been done about their development and all of the things that they need to build before you're really teaching them academics. There are a lot more important things that will help a child when they get to that age. So rather than focusing on numbers and letters and reading at age four, it's more important to me that my child's character is being built, that their habits are being built, that their connection with me is being built and that they have like a love for literature. So I have a whole list of things that I kind of focus on before we really introduce a sit down scheduled time of formal schooling. So the age of six is that now you said, you know, kind of, it's not like the day they turn six and stuff. Have you had any kids where you kind of feel like aren't quite ready and you wait a little bit on that? So actually my first two children, they're 18 months apart and my oldest is a boy and my second is a girl. And so what I did just for ease for myself, and I just thought it was best for all three of us is wait until I felt like collectively they were ready to begin because I wanted to begin together. That is something that has been really important to me, family style learning. And so when my son Titus, my oldest was 
ready, then that's when I invited my daughter in. And I believe it was more like six and a half and five, maybe. And at that point, I still treated everything as like an invitation to my daughter, but she was ready. She was interested. So also encouragement, if you feel like your child's five and they are ready, and I'm not just talking about like they're asking to learn to read, but are they ready to, to have the habit of attention? Um, you know, are their fingers developed fine motor so that they can hold a pencil? There's a lot you can do before you ask them to hold a pencil, those things. And so we kind of did it when my oldest was ready. And honestly, the entire time we've been doing homeschooling, they've really stuck together and it's been a really beautiful experience for them to read the same books, to learn the same things, to, to their play. You can see it's coming out of their homeschooling because they're together. And I was blessed with another set of two um, close together in the later. And so my last two are three and four. And so I plan to kind of do the same thing with them. So I know that's not everybody's story, but that has really worked for us. And the relationship part is just so important to me. And I speak about it often on the podcast and on social media and stuff. And just that the siblings getting to know each other and working through and just, again, reading the same books. Now I didn't quite have ones that were the same, but they would read the same books, you know, eventually and stuff and then have be mm-hmm. able to have those types of conversations. So how do you prepare your environment, you know, for your children in those early years before you begin homeschooling, how do you get them ready? Cause I know that there's moms that run into resistance and their kids are just really not wanting to have it. Mm-hmm. And some a lot are more now are pulling their kids out of school. So I don't know if you can speak in, into that as well, but how do you, how do you get the environment? How do you get them ready in those early years before they begin homeschooling? So this is a strange um, parallel, but it just came to mind. I breastfed all of my children and I would have moms that would say like, how did you wean them? Like, weren't they just like freaking out and crying all the time? And I, I honestly can say that with all of them, the weaning was a very slow transition. And it was almost like one day we woke up and we're like, oh, we're not doing this anymore because it was such a slow, organic process of them not needing it as often. And then just going down to one time you know, a day and all of this. And I feel like it's a similar situation when I have these little children in my, in my home and I'm thinking, okay, in three years is around age six. And so at age six, these are the things that we're going to be doing in our day. How do I prepare our environment, our schedule, our home, their hearts, their minds for what's to come? And we don't just throw it all on them at once. And so some of those practical things are having a rhythm to your day. And so, you know, even at age two and three, my children know that this is the rhythm of our day. And we have a visual schedule that really, really helps all of my children. Um, We actually have one in our shop that we've used for, you know, six or seven years now. Um, They're just individual cards with a little image. So even the, the ones that can't read, they know the images. So it says, you know, breakfast, and then the next thing we do read aloud, and then we do outside time. So even if your day is super free, and you have a lot of playtime, even just your child having some predictability to their schedule that every day is not just wake up and have a free for all that helps set them up for success when it's time to have some structure in their day for learning. Then the other thing is habits, you know, cleaning up after themselves, listening to you and following your instructions. Those are really important things that all of a sudden you're asking them to sit down and work on this thing that might be a little bit challenging for them. If they already have a connection with you, if they already know what's expected of them in their relationship with you, and it's not a striving, it's not a burden, it's just fun with mom, they're not, they're going to receive that from you. And then practical life skills, um, lots of time outside, unstructured play, 
I think one of the most important things I kind of developed in my children and worked really hard is them being able to play independently. Because when you have a lot of children and you're trying to homeschool four children at once, I need my, I need my children to be able to go away from the table for a minute and keep themselves occupied, learn how to be bored, know what to do with your boredom. It's not a perfect plan, but it, it's lots of work of allowing them to be bored, not letting them rely on screens, all of that stuff that we've kind of developed in our home. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question. Can you remind me what it was? <laughs> yeah, just kind of talking. No, you did. Just talking about how we're preparing the environment and getting kids ready for when you want to start to introduce some formal lessons at six. And I, the two things I was taking some notes there that stuck out, well, three things was predictability, them just kind mm-hmm. of knowing what to expect. <clears throat> and I think that helps also with, you know, meltdowns and stuff. If they know kind of how the day is going to go, yes. there isn't a, a sudden let's get in the car and go and do this while they're in the middle of creating, you know, this Lego castle or something. And it mm-hmm. completely, you know, it's also the, I spent a lot of time telling my kids, Hey, in 30 minutes, we are going to go to the grocery store. So it wasn't a complete shock. It was, this is how the day is going to go. And, and which leads into having a routine. And yes, I think that helps with, helps with sanity um, for us as well mm-hmm. is just having a routine. And when we get up and know what to expect when kids get up and know what to expect, which is different than I say, different than having a schedule. We don't have to run off of a, right. you know, this time to this time. And cause some days we get up a little bit slower and some days sure. we get up faster. And I think a key point that you had made about introducing them to these, I was thinking that, you know, your kids trust you. So when you're introducing to learn, you know, learn these letters and to, they, they understand that mom's mom actually has some, has my best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. And when she's teaching me these things, I can trust that she knows that I need this to do this and trust that she's teaching me in a way that I'm, that I'm going to uh, be able to learn it. And she's, she's like my cheerleader. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would also say studying your children. So I have four children. They all are very different. And I have some children that need short lessons um, that are active, and I have some that are completely motivated by stories. I have others that are very creative. I have some that are more engineering-minded. And so really taking those first years of their life to start studying them and to try to wrap education up into a package that makes sense for their brains, that would excite them, that would be fun for them, because I really believe my kids like you said, they trust me, but they, they not only do they trust me, but they think, oh, mom's fun. Like she loves learning. She loves homeschooling. My, my kids really believe that I love what I'm doing. And that um, attitude will kind of set the tone in your home. And so having an attitude of fun and joy around education from the time they're little is really big. I also wanted to address the question you asked about uh, being pulled from from public school, because that's a different ball game. You're not raising, you know, a two, three, four year old to prepare them. You're all of a sudden an eight or nine or ten year old, and you're saying, "Oh, this isn't working. We need to pivot." And you're really reinventing everything. And so, I really do recommend uh, researching the the phrase or the word "deschooling," learning what that means. Um, I do have a blog post that kind of goes into depth about what that means and kind of some steps that you can take to kind of rewire your brain about education, and then go back to the basics on connecting with your child, learning what they love. And don't be afraid to take a big break, like months, because they will catch up and there's really no catching up. Once you homeschool, you'll understand like you can take three months off and focus on child-led learning, focus on, you know, interests that they have, focus just on your connection with them, getting that routine, all of those things, almost like going back to if they were in preschool, you know, and just working on some of those foundational things with your relationship with them. And then 
when you're ready to introduce homeschooling, it will be so much smoother and more enjoyable for both of you. I think the thing that you were saying tied into both those is relationship, relationship Mm. with whether you're starting out homeschooling from the beginning, or it is taking a child from public school and bringing them home and that being a priority and important to develop those. I do want to go back. You mentioned a little bit earlier about having your two oldest and their two youngest. And so you've homeschooled with little ones. And I know a lot of Mm. homeschoolers are in a similar situation. So How do we, and I get asked this often, you know, how do you occupy young children um, during lessons? So you're doing some formal lessons with your older ones and how do you occupy the younger, your younger kids while you're homeschooling the older ones? So a couple of things that have helped me number one, I'm just going to say it's not easy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I've been nursing while holding a toddler and teaching math before I've been potty training while reading aloud. I mean, like your whole life just sort of gets to be like a spaghetti bowl for a few years there, but just give yourself grace. And as soon as your children, um, the older children can read, then you are able to start you know, delegating what things they can do a little bit more on their own. And so for me personally, I found that as soon as we could give them some things that they could work on mostly on their own, and then I could come and follow up and check on them or hop between the two kids, but it's fine if I also run away and help with a little one that that's been really, really helpful for me. So right now I have a three and a four-year-old and then I have an eight and a 10-year-old. So we really have found success in kind of time blocking our day where the first section of our day is what we call morning time. And I have put resources during morning time that include all of the children because this really fills the little one's bucket up. So we do songs and we do picture books. And thankfully my big kids will either still enjoy them or they kind of lead that stuff with them. And I feel like that's really beneficial to them as well. And so we spend an hour doing activities that incorporate all of the children And that's kind of how we start our day. And it makes everybody feel included. It makes the little ones feel like they got some attention. The second section of our day is kind of the independent work. And that is when my big kids are doing everything they can possibly do on their own. I have chosen curriculum that they can lead on their own for a lot of the subjects. And during that time, I can hop between them. And then I also can give my full attention to the little ones. I can read aloud to them because I was finding by the end of the day, I was looking back and going, I just kept pushing my toddlers away all day and I didn't want that. And so I've tried to figure out how can I include them in um, and still give my big kids what they need. And then the third section of the day is when I was really reserved for those things that really require me and my big kids attention. And that is when I will pull out all the big guns of the Play-Doh and the kinetic sand and sometimes TV and sometimes, you know, audiobooks and just kind of whatever, lots of snacks. And sometimes it's crazy. And by the end of the day, the house is completely trashed. <laughs> um, so I don't, rem- I don't remember how far away your ages are in your home, but is that, was that your experience as well? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So mine were, <laughs> I had three of them in five years now. Okay. You know, it's it, many years ago that the house was trapped. I mean, well, they're teens is a different type of trash, but um, yeah, right now my <laughs> kids are between 15 and, and 20. So yes, there was some years. And thank you for speaking into that. The fact that, you know, I think we go into it and we think it's going to look all perfect and it's going to be a bit of a hot mess, especially for a couple of years. It could yeah. be, it's going to be hard, but we don't get to the sweet spot without going through those hard years of juggling, like you're saying, you know, breastfeeding the one and holding a toddler and, you know, trying to do some math lessons. And yeah, there's, there's some time and we kind of um, feel like we earn, you know, a couple extra homeschool mom badges or something during those, (laughs) during those years. And 
there's a sweetness that does come later on and when everybody can kind of work independently and, and like you've been talking about giving them that predictability, that routine, Mm -hmm. and it just kind of falls, uh, falls into place, but it can be a little crazy, a little chaotic and you fall into bed probably at night exhausted, um, Mm -hmm. but with a full heart. And uh, I like those different, those different blocks of the different sections of, of time. um, So that it's not just all kind of an all free for all. Right. and pulling out the big guns at the end of the day. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really helped. And I also just feel like looking back, I put too much pressure on myself when my older children were, you know, first and second grade. I was so worried that I wasn't giving them enough because I was juggling nap times and babies, but I was giving them so much more than enough. And even if you need to take a break, I took breaks a lot when I had really, really difficult seasons with sleepless nights or difficult pregnancy stuff or newborns. You know, it's just, you have to look at education as their whole life and look at the big picture. And if you are killing yourself to push, 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 push in a really hard season, it's just, it's not worth it. You can wait or you can have a bare bones year. You know, you can have a whole year where you're just doing the basics because you're in survival mode. You're moving, you're traveling, you're sick, you know, whatever those things are. Um, Try to look at their education as a whole and be encouraged that even in those chaotic times, they are still learning. Even if you're not sitting with them at the table, if you've set your home and your environment for an, you know, learning, your children are learning even without you right there with them. Um, And that's personally one of my goals so that I can, you know, rest easy knowing that even if I'm not doing my best, my kids are still picking up books. They're still playing and they're still learning while they're in the kitchen and they're, they're growing and learning no matter what it's always neat when your kids will surprise you with some type of information or fact or something. And you're like, I didn't teach you that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, where'd you learn that? You know, that book or my kids would be like in wild Kratz or something. That was like kind of my go-to was I think they learned all their science for a few years in wild Kratz or something. (laughs) (laughs) And they'd be like, Hey, there's a, I don't know, something, some type of bird. I'm like, Oh, okay. So. Okay. Science check. (laughs) Yeah. Check. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so going to your point of just, you know, it's okay to have a bare bones. It's okay to have a year where you're not checking everything off of the curriculum to-do list and, and, that education is in a whole, it's a whole life and that it should continue beyond that and creating an atmosphere where your kids will want to continue to learn is, is, has been my goal as well. Yes. And, um, because that won't stop the lifelong learning won't, won't stop. Exactly. Yeah. So one other, one last question I have for you here is, you know, what, what hands-on activities, um, do you use to introduce, uh, children? So younger children to letters and numbers and, you know, when they're, when they're ready, what specifically do you use and do you do? So we, this has been a topic I've been talking about a lot, um, because my little ones are getting to that age. So I have a three and four-year-old that are, uh, specifically my four-year-old really hungry to learn how to write and to read because we're in an environment where we do that a lot with my old children. So it kind of starts to happen a little earlier. And just like, I don't, you know, force formal lessons. I'm also not going to tell my child, no, you may not learn your letters yet. We just try to do it in a respectful way to their development. And so I'm not going to initially bring out a piece of paper and a pencil to um, show my child how to copy a letter. I'm going to offer them things that are better for their hands. So I learned early on that it's really important to develop their fine motor skills. So one thing we like to do is offer them Play-Doh and give them a flashcard with the letter and have them roll the Play-Doh and form the letters 
with the Play-Doh. And that is just really good for letter recognition and formation, starting to get them comfortable with the letters. When they get a little bit further along, we also like to do salt trays or sand trays. Just put some salt in a tray, make sure there's edges because otherwise there's a huge mess, which there might still be. And um, you just model how to properly write the letter in the tray with their fingers and then they copy you. Um, and so we've done that and then they get to just shake it a little bit, write it again and again. And then we've also done a lot of, we have uppercase and lowercase flashcards that are new to our shop. And we like to do hide and seek with them around the house, find both A's and match them. So then you're getting them used to uppercase and lowercase matching and the, the letter sounds with the pictures that are on the cards. And then before pencil, we really like to use dry erase markers. I try to buy the chubby ones because they're better for their fingers. And if they're short, I've learned that it helps them um, properly hold it without forcing it um, because they have to grip it. You know, they're not going to hold it up top because it's not very long. And so tracing dry erase markers. So we, we have some sheets that have the letters in dotted lines and we stick them in a dry erase pouch and they'll trace over the letters. So during morning time, I offer those to my three and four-year-old right now, and they do them every day and they absolutely love them. Um, so lots and lots of hands-on ways. And really, I try to do only hands-on ways that are respectful to their development until around age five and a half or six, then we'll finally kind of give them like a chubby pencil and then a smaller pencil. So that's what we've been doing a lot lately. These are great options because I, I feel like a lot of moms are like, I don't know that just forcing them to sit at a seat with a thin little pencil and writing this out just doesn't feel very natural. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their hands are all chubby and they can't barely (laughs) kind of hold anything. And I had one, I don't think he'll mind me telling this, my older son had really chubby fingers. And I remember getting ready for church and my youngest had really good like he just was born with fine motor skills. He just was really good. And I remember him being like, Hey, can you, t- can you button up your older brother's shirt? Because he couldn't quite get his, you know, so that's just an mm-hmm. example of some kids is their development yes. and their hands being able to hold things and having that, having that type of movement. So it sounds like you have a lot of great resources in your shop. Can you direct a listener onto where they can uh, find out more information about, about that? Sure. So treehouseschoolhouse.com. We are best known for our nature study. We have all four seasons. It incorporates the whole family. A lot of things that I mentioned that are valuable to me. So living books and beauty subjects like poetry and art. It's really a marrying of morning time and those beautiful subjects that you want to introduce, but you don't know how to fit them in and nature study. So you're checking off a lot of boxes at once. There's also like literature and writing opportunities, language arts kind of weaved into it as well. And then we also have a couple of holiday guides that are really popular, a connected Christmas and expected Easter that are gospel centered guides that lead you up to the holiday. And they're full of good books and handcrafts and all the goodies. And we also have some resources for the early years that I just mentioned, our brand new Wonder of Nature Early Years collection. It's not a full curriculum because I don't think you need one. You just need a few resources to get your preschoolers and kindergartners getting to know the alphabet in a gentle way. So we also have other things like a homeschool planner and morning time resources. So you can find all of that at treehouseschoolhouse.com. I love all the mentioning of morning time because I'm a huge advocate of morning time. And I still do that. I have just my 15 year old. And even when I had three, well, I guess a middle schooler and a high schooler, I still did morning time. It was just a really good time. And mm. I want to circle back real quick. You're talking about your older ones and your younger ones together. And it's just beautiful. It just, 
that the older ones really, we sometimes discount, we put so much emphasis upon the education, the education, the education, but the relationship and and older children learning to come alongside their Mm -hmm. younger siblings and learning patience Mm -hmm. and grace and, and also learning how to lead Mm -hmm. some, you know, those that are younger and part of what, one of my requirements for my older two, because there's a couple year gap there, they're just two years and then there's, you know, five years from the oldest and the youngest was that they were required every day, you know, for their, I wanted them to learn how to read aloud was something that was really big that I wanted them to have that skill. And they were required to read like two picture books or something to mm-hmm. him every single day. And so he, I mean, he grew up with people reading to him all day long. Yes. They'd be like, Hey, I got to read, you know, my son would be like, I got to read to you, you know, and then he would get into <laughs> it and stuff, you know, have to, have to act all cool, but he would get into it. And it was just a way for them to really bond um, yes. in a deeper level with homeschooling. That reminds me to do that because we've done that off and on, but I'm definitely putting that on their list for the new school year to read every day to my little ones because that also checks the box for me, although we continue to read all day, but the more the better. Yes, absolutely. You can't, you can't read too much. No, and, you can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's something that'll go with that as we're talking about, you know, continuing and learning through the rest of our lives, just getting that desire to want to read and um, to know how to do it. And yeah, like I said, you know, reading out loud was a skill that I learned as a child and thought was important and incorporate with them too. And so I thank you for coming on today, Lindsay, and you do have a a coupon code for your shop and I will list that um, in the show notes, but it's little by little 15 and you can get 15% off your total order. And I will put all that information, all of these links and everything in the show notes. Everybody can check out uh, your shop and your blog and uh, your Instagram and YouTube and all, all those good things. Thank you so much. That was super fun. Thank you for joining me today. All right. Bye-bye. Now, wasn't that a fun conversation? I enjoyed being able to connect with Lindsay and it's always fun to hear from somebody like from a different, um, in a different way. So I've been following Lindsay for a while on Instagram and have read through her blog and have checked out her resources. Now my kids are a lot older, so I haven't made purchases of any of those, but I know that many of you have done that and I've seen them. They're beautiful. It's just, it's just a great, it's a great resource, um, for homeschool moms when, you align with her type of homeschooling, but it's just fun to be able to talk to somebody on a different type of platform and to listen to them. So I hope that you are encouraged by our conversation. And as I mentioned, I will put in the show notes, all the links to all the things for Lindsay. So you can get more information from her, check out her shop and just social media and be blessed by the content and what she puts out into the world for homeschool moms. So friend, thank you for joining me here today in the podcast. I look forward to catching up with you again here in another couple of days. If this podcast has encouraged you, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. I love to hear how this show has impacted you. So if you could hop over and do that, I'd be so grateful. While you're at it, take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your friends to encourage them. You can also find me over on Instagram at Little by Little Homeschool. Until next time, have a beautiful day, Mama.